Episode 41, Human Soul Crystals Part 2. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The games we play with Brian and Chris. Hey! hey. And welcome back to The Games We Play, a podcast about board games, Sometimes tabletops, RPGs, and miniatures, but mostly about the games we play. I'm your host, Brian, and and this week with me is... Chris. And this is episode 41. This week we'll be talking about Century Eastern Mountains. We're going to be continuing on the Century Trilogy. Uh, You might see a theme here. Maybe you might guess what we're going to be talking about next week. And we'll be talking about our love and hates, what's been on our table, and uh, anything else that comes to mind. So, Chris, uh, another couple weeks have passed. How's your gaming goals coming for the year? They are going fabulous. Uh, Jamie and I have been hitting it hard, been uh, getting a lot of gameplays in. We had uh, 29 gameplays, and um, the 18 of them are, are, are unique. So we're pulling out some games, and I, I'm going to crush that goal of unwrapping one game a month um, and doing that. So we've already had five games off the shelf that we pulled out and and uh, pulled the shrink wrap off and, and busted it on the table. So we've actually uh, been having a lot of fun um, getting some uh, two-player uh, two or two games played with two players in and stuff. So been very en- nice. been enjoying that. And I know you talked about getting your Century Spice Road uh, onto the table after we we played and reviewed it. Yes. Uh, how, how's that going? Um, I'm sorry. Am I stepping on your what's your on your table? N- no, no, no. That's probably going to be um, this weekend. I'm betting because I I, I uh, talked to Jamie about it and we played the Century Spice um, uh, Gollum Edition, the very first one, and uh, we're going to pull out the Eastern uh, Eastern Mountains Gollum Edition here probably this weekend and bust it out and, and uh, show that uh, with to Jamie and get a play in with that. See how she likes that one. But yeah, and, that, one's, that one's still in shrink wrap too from Gen Con this summer. Oh yeah. I mean, technicalities, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does it still count even though you've played it, uh, but it's not your cup? Well, uh, yeah, there's, you can put an asterisk by it if you want, but I'm pulling the shrink wrap off and we're playing it. That That's uh, constitute check the box for the meeting the goal. Yeah, hey, counts. Yep. As long as you're getting games to deal, right? Absolutely. All right, well, for me, I am at 59 plays now, and 24 of those unique. Haven't played a whole lot of new games. Uh, this last week at work, Corey, Josh, and I have been playing a, a lot of the Century games, so we've been introducing uh, Eastern Mountains to Josh. Corey's played it, obviously, because we played it at Gen yep. Con together that year. We got it. And so we've been introducing Josh to it after introducing the first one. And uh, just trying to get our bearing on it and get let Josh get familiar with it. And then we're actually going to play the first and second combination of that game, you know, where you can combine the yep. two games. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. We were supposed to do it this week, but stuff came up and plans, plans changed. But We'll get that to the table this next week, so looking forward to doing that. And then I might have to bring the third game into work then, uh, get some more plays of that in uh, for for preparation in two weeks. So, yeah, just been playing a lot of Century the yeah. last week. I mean, a lot of Century. I've gotten quite a few quite a few of those in. I brought a bunch of new games into work, actually, to bring and play with the group at lunch. Uh, there's, what, 10, 11 of us? Uh, we've had actually some yeah. pretty 
big groups recently. Uh, but I brought a bunch of new games in to work so we could try them out. And we just haven't been able to get them to the table uh, for one reason or another. So what are you going to do? It's been kind of a busy week at work. So unfortunately, I haven't got those games out. And then Emily uh, just got back from Florida. So she was out of town. And so I didn't get to play any games really at home because she was gone. So this was probably our slowest, quietest week uh, for gaming. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to have those weeks, oh, right? Yeah. It's not really burnout. It's just opportunity, unfortunately. But We'll get there. We'll get some more games in. I believe this weekend is our... <laughs> so you'll be hearing this. This episode comes out Monday. Uh, the day before this comes out, we would have played another... Or two days before, we would have played another game of Risk Legacy. So we have another Risk Legacy playing Saturday with uh, Andy and Emily. So that'll be coming up. Uh, so I'm sure I'll have some to report back because uh, I've been trash talking Andy a lot on this podcast. So <laughs> uh, it should be a lot of fun, hopefully. Anyway, so that's my gaming goals for this week. So not much progress, but so we'll get there. A lot of opportunities here in the next week to play some new games. Really looking forward to getting uh, some of those combo Sentry games. And uh, been really loving these Sentry games. Been playing a lot. So uh, so that was my gaming goal checkup. So Chris, uh, anything else new with you for this week? Any new games you got? I know there's been some uh, some Kickstarters that just came out. Yes, I actually got the the Blood Rage Kickstarter uh, mailed and shipped and came to the door the other day. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, and the, the, they did the digital version. Then they also did another uh, faction that you can get the physical copy with. So that came in the mail finally after about a year waiting. And so always love it when you back a Kickstarter and you forget about it. And then it just get a little text message. Something shipped and wow, you're waiting for yet when you get home from work. That's kind of fun. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So is that Blood Rage? Is that on the computer or is that on iPad, phone? Uh, com- PC to my understanding. Okay. So they yep. didn't get like a Android or iOS uh, release to of that knowledge. at all? Yeah. And it that's still being worked on to my knowledge. I don't have it. I, oh, anyway. so it's not out yet? Yeah. Wasn't that part of the Kickstarter was to do the digital? Well, it, that was the original part. It was for the digital version. And uh, uh-huh. then they had a physical where uh, you can get some extra. Oh, you, you can back uh, order some of the, the prior stuff, which I've already had for Blood Rage, but you can get another uh, player faction and some other pieces and some, of course, Kickstarter exclusive type stuff. They They always like to throw those in. But sure. uh, yeah, so yeah, I, that's Simon so, for yeah, Simon. So yeah, so I did the physical pledge too as well, and and got some of that stuff. I just I can't believe the digital's not out yet though. Like well, that's kind of crazy. Unless I'm unless I totally missed that, which I could have. Um, that's pretty funny. I'll have to look it up real quick here and see. Because uh, it's one of those games that I might not necessarily. Blood Rage is not one of those games that I like seek out to play a lot, but to play on the PC or something against AI, I, I would definitely do that. Uh, just to get play some more of that game, experience some of the different factions, some of the different uh, playthroughs, and at various counts. That, that that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to look. I don't even see any news. I'm, I'm checking on a website. There's there's no news on Facebook. The last update was from February 14th of 2019. So almost a full year ago was the last update for uh, from Simon's Blood Rage page on Facebook. Yeah, that's that's kind of weird. That's that's really weird. Uh, kind of silent on that. At least you got your physical pledges. Exactly. Yeah, at least you got your physical pledges. But still, a part of it was getting your digital. That'll be interesting. But. Hey, 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 if you get it, let us know, because I'd like to check that out on uh, 
it's probably one of those games that you pick up on a Steam sale for nice oh, cheap. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, nice value there for a decent game, you know? Yeah. So, all the, that's cool. Uh, we both backed... Uh, did you end up backing the Foundations of Rome? No, I did not. I did not that, do the Foundations of Rome. That, that game hit over a million dollars, which was kind of a big deal for that game because I don't think they were expecting it to be as big as it has been. And that was Arcane Wonders first kickstarter which was kind of interesting uh arcane wonders has uh, had some really good games over the years such as uh sheriff of nottingham which is a really good game have have, have we have you played that i have not that is one oh, i've heard very so good, good things about that yeah i should bring in a lunch it's, it's one of those fun ones where everybody just busts each other's chops kind of thing and and it's fun when when somebody reveals that oops they did smuggle or they were bluffing and there's just like a lot of just giving each other a hard time kind of kind of game it's a lot of fun it's it's a great game but but yeah i mean that that was kind of crazy that the game did so well it's also a emerson matsuchi game which uh the century games that we've been talking about is made by emerson matsuchi so been um i really enjoy his games. so maybe we should get that to the table here soon but really looking forward to foundations rum looks really 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 cool and uh unfortunately it doesn't come out for another year <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the same with uh return to dark tower that was four million dollars oh my word oh that's crazy that is crazy it's gonna be uh, crazy, crazy awesome but uh oh it's gonna be so much yeah fun. that's i'm looking uh, forward to that one it is interesting though the coronavirus obviously has been on the news and has been a hot topic in in worldwide for obvious reasons. I mean, tons of people died. A lot of people infected. A lot of people uh, quarantined off. It's it's really sad. Uh, but it's actually had an impact on the board gaming industry. Oh, I, uh, yeah. All the factories for board games that actually shut down in China. I don't know if you heard that news. No, I didn't. I, I could definitely could uh, expect uh, some some problems and issues with that, with everything what's going on there and everything that is exported out of China. Which is pretty much every oh, board game gosh. nowadays. Yeah. Oh yeah, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's uh, that this this year is going to be a little interesting. I think. Well, obviously, board gaming is a hobby, and it's not as big of a deal as obviously as people's lives and and, and their well being. But it is an interesting uh, side effect to the board gaming world, and I'll see, it'll be curious to see how these kickstarters and the, even the board gaming industry will be affected. Even come Gen Con, uh, you know, Gen Con when we go there, you see a lot of the new games that are just coming out they've been manufacturing or maybe creating games throughout the year they maybe not have announced the game or maybe they have and you might see the early pre-release copies at gen con that happens fairly often i'm just curious to see what kind of impact that's going to have for con are we going to see oh, maybe yeah. some, maybe they had planned on it maybe they're not going to be be able to get those games um i i, I know i was listening to stonemeyer games he does his weekly updates and he was just talking about how they're uh they're trying to get more wingspan printed just there's not enough copies obviously it's a really uh, great selling game for stonemeyer games just talking about the struggles obviously trying to anticipate uh, supply right but they're talking about how they've been they've put in an order and it's it's being delayed because none of the factories are open which again it i don't mean it hopefully it doesn't sound like i'm being callous or complaining that's not that the point at all it's just more interesting from a game gaming industry or hobby how this will affect affect long term for the 2020 might be might be kind of an interesting year maybe sparse at at gen con i wonder if this will increase prices potentially you know high demand low supply kind of situation i don't know i guess we'll see right Almost definitely. I could see a lot of games being delayed, um, extensively mm. delayed. Uh, ex Especially uh, those Kickstarters that are right. supposed to be coming out this year. 
Right, right. Most definitely. I definitely could see all of that aspect. And like you said, some things that may not make Gen Con, which we're supposed to. And that ultimately, that's going to hurt those those businesses that do that too as well. So yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see because what was there, 4,000 games introduced last year? And yeah, something yeah, like that estimated. So, yeah. So that this could be one of those little factors that uh, they talk about that potential gaming bubble. I'm using quotes and uh, that could be something that kind of pushes some companies over um and i mean yeah i mean small companies yeah if you're a small publisher that's a lot of money you have to throw out for the manufacturing process and just have that money floating out there until you get product yeah maybe smaller companies maybe can't hold on to that kind of product or wait that long to get the return that you know maybe they're not prepared to to wait another six months who knows how long everything's gonna hold out and then on top of it, I think the board gaming industry is kind of reeling a little bit from the shipping costs because of the tariffs and everything with the from between China and the United States. And that really heavily affected a lot of companies late fourth quarter of 2019. Now that the tariffs and everything have been kind of figured out, I, I, I believe a lot of the stuff that would impact board gaming has now been resolved. And then only to have all this that factory shut off yeah. or shut down. It's just uh, some of these publishers probably can't catch a break here. But. But um, anyway, all that to say, it should be interesting 2020 already is off to a kick. So it should be a interesting year, I suspect. Very true. That was a lot of board gaming industry talk I didn't uh, plan on. So sorry about that. Hopefully somebody found that interesting. I just find it really fascinating. I, I listen to a lot of these podcasts from other publishers uh, in the board gaming hobby. There's quite a few out there and uh, Facebook and YouTube channels. So you can find out a lot of information. It's just, I think it's kind of fascinating, kind of see how the sausage is made. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Depending on uh, if you want to see how the sausage is made. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll just probably cut that out because that was stupid. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and move on and let's talk about what's been on our table this week. <laughs> All right. What's been on our table? Chris, what's been on your table this week? Well, getting back to uh, reaching of those goals that Jamie and I have been playing and we busted out a game um, off the shelf tore it out of the shrink wrap and started playing Azul. Uh, the very first one, and which you and I played before, so I introduced that to her. And Has she played? Is this her first time playing? This it? is her first time. We played it okay. probably five times this last week. Um, it's uh, she's and she's pretty much beat me every single time. So <laughs> and, <laughs> I, uh, she, she likes she likes it. So um, yeah, it's it's a fun little game. So we we've busted that out, played it, uh, went through step by step. Kind of missed a couple scoring mechanisms. Uh, in the game, it talks about where you can score horizontal and vertical and you count it each time. So we were messing it up. We were counting it horizontally and vertically together, even though if you didn't have it uh, horizontally or vertically. So if you see what I mean, the, the way the rule reads, it's weird. It says count it horizontally, including the tile, then count it vertically, including the tile. So we were Correct. we were adding one, even though it just went horizontally two, we'd count one, two and vertically one. So anyway, it was a scoring thing. We were messing around, messing up the scoring bits. And the very first time we played it, it was the third take. We actually got everything correctly uh, balanced out and, and started playing the right rules. So anyway. Uh, well, if I, re- <laughs> if I recall, uh, not to be a rules lawyer here, if I recall, the scoring says there's, it's two conditions. Either there isn't a connecting vertical or horizontal, right? And if that, if that's the case, you just get one point. Is that right? That's what I think we we missed that. We read ah. it and stuff, but I think we were, misunderstood that. That was gotcha. what I was getting at. Yep. 
Yep. But if there's any connecting one, either horizontally or vertical, then you do the horizontal and vertical. So Correct. if you placed it next to one horizontally, then you'd get two points for the horizontal, then one point for the vertical, yep. if I recall. So you'd yeah. get three total points. Yep. Yeah, we were okay, me- cool, we, cool, we cool. were messing some stuff up. Yeah, we, yeah that's yep. that, 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 that rule is a little finicky. It's it's kind of weird. I don't know. It's, it's a hard one for... It's just different. Yeah, it's right? unique. I, it never... never scored something that way in any other games but yeah right so yeah. We, we like it we pull it out it's a it's a 30 minute game really easy easy setup so yeah we played a two player a lot so oh i'd like to get uh three and four players in sometime to see how it plays differently but uh, it does play yeah, differently yep. I, that's yeah. for sure but jamie and i enjoy it so it's fun Azul. Nice. Uh, have you played the free format side? You know, the, on, on each side of the player board, there's the one where it right. says, oh, you have to put it here. And then on the other side, there's a free format side. Have you tried playing that side? We have not yet. We've just been okay. playing, just getting used to the game, playing it on the sure. the, the standard side. Yeah, the, for now. the other side is very interesting. Now, there are a little extra rules with it about placement, but it is interesting. It doesn't trap you as much, and you can get a lot more points, and it adds a lot more layer of strategy that you have to actually plan ahead a couple steps. Uh, I kind of like it. Yeah, that's one thing we're, we're going to, we've talked about it the last time of trying it. So we'll, we'll probably try that here pretty nice. soon. Then if you like that, you got to try the Stained Glass Ascentra. That's the second Azul. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I It doesn't really have any fiddly scoring in that one. I don't, at least I don't feel like it, it's pretty intuitive once you read the rules and it gives you a lot more strategy and options and you don't feel so stuck. Although in a two player game, did you ever feel like you're stuck? Like, you, oh, I have to take those blues. Oh, crap. I can't take those blues. Not really. I mean, oh, because okay. it, was, it was the fact of Jamie took something that I knew I wanted it and the, vice sure. versa. Yeah. So I never really felt to get stuck, but it was it was uh, it does in a four player game. Oh, I'll, I could, I'll throw that oh, out there. Yeah, there there will be that. times where you'll where you're like. You're looking at the other people next to you. You're like, <laughs> if I take this, they're getting four broken tiles. That's cool. I'm glad she's liking it. It's such a great game. Such a such a great game for new players yes. and introduced to family and friends. And it looks great. Yeah, it does. Even though the the red uh, tiles look like Starburst. So. They do, don't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> you almost want to eat them, but don't. Yeah, but don't. Don't. Eat don't. <laughs> don't eat them. Uh, probably shouldn't keep them around little kids because I'm sure that would be uh, something that would be very enticing for the kids. Yes, easily mistaken for. I would think so. Uh, all right, so for me this week, uh, what's been on my table is a game I think I've talked about maybe a long time ago, potentially, but I uh, had Camel up on oh, our table yes. this week. We I brought it into work. This is one of the other games that uh, nobody else at work had played, but I introduced it. So we played last Friday and we played Tuesday this last. So if this was Monday, it would have been like, anyway, oh, last. Uh, so we, we played a couple times. We played it at five players and four players and introduced it to multiple people. And both games turned out completely different because that's how that game goes. And it's just silly, dumb fun that there's a little strategy, but there's just so much dumb luck to that game of how it comes out. And it's just, it's a crapshoot half the <laughs> half the time in that game. But it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. I don't think Corey enjoyed it a whole lot. I, I think he thought it was too random, which is kind of funny because that's usually me. But even if I lose at that game, it's just funny the situations that come come up where you're like, well, if this, if this camel happens to go one, but then goes backwards, then goes under the stack, then this camel picks up this camel and then switches it. That camel could go from last to first place in just silly situations that can come up. It, it's a lot of fun. If you don't know what I'm talking about, sorry, I should have probably said this from the start. Uh, camel Up is a camel racing game, and I believe it's a remake of a much older game. Is that right? Uh, I, I'm gonna, I, I got BGG up. So, yeah. Server. 
A few moments later. Doesn't it usually show the year. Oh, yeah, 2014. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought this was a much, much older game. Apparently, it isn't. I was telling everybody I think it came out in like the 80s or 90s, but I guess I was lying. Sorry, everybody. It came out in 2014, the original game, and it had some expansions, and then they made a second edition because uh, it was Z-Man Games who yes. had it, and now it's a different company. And so they re-released it. I believe they added some of the expansion stuff into it. It's just a cool table presence. Heck, the board has like that pop-up book, you know? Yeah. You know your kids' That's books that you're school, flipping, yeah. and it has a pop-up. It literally has a pop-up palm trees on half of the board that when you open up the board, it's like, whoop, there's palm trees. Adds no value to the game except for it looks pretty cool. And it has a neat little plastic 3D pyramid that contains the dice that you shake up and then you press a button on the side and a one die comes out the bottom and it rolls essentially. And that's a really neat mechanic because you need to hide the dice so you don't know which color die is coming up. Because the color dye correlates with the one of the camels, and so you don't want people to know what camels are coming up because you're trying to bet on them throughout each leg. It's a really fun game. Very easy, like, family-type game, but everybody's going to have a lot of fun, have some laughs, just because it's it's just a silly game. I mean, there's two camels called the Crazy Camels that are going backwards and they're picking up other camels because the camels can only share the same space so the camels stack on top of each other so you get this really big pile of camels and these are big camel figures and it just gets silly that these crazy camels come along and pick up the other camels and start taking them backwards it's just it's just funny and silly nice uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, maybe Corey didn't like it as much, but that's okay. I really enjoy it, and it's 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 definitely one of those holiday games you bring to the family. You know, get get your nieces and nephews, the aunts and uncles, the brothers and sisters to play. Sit down, play an eight player game, and it's just silly fun, and everybody has a good times. So check it out. That's called Camel Up. Great family game. Highly, highly recommend it. Definitely a great game to introduce to the family and kind of bring it. Just a, it's just a different type of game. There's really not any other games like this, and it definitely adds some uniqueness to the shelf that you might not have. Fun. So yeah, so great game, Camel Up, and oh, it plays in thirty minutes, which is it, thirty awesome. to forty minutes. Oh, super fast. So great game. All right, well that's what's been on our table this week. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about Century Eastern Mountains. The games we play reviews Century Eastern Mountains. Actually, I think it's called Century Golem Edition Eastern Mountains. That's a mouthful. That I think is that's a the actual big mouthful. Yes. Yep. I believe yep, you're that's right. That's the actual title. Century Golem Edition Eastern Mountains. All right. So this is the second entry into the Century Trilogy. The Spice Road version actually is called Century Eastern Wonders, in case you want to look it up. And the version we're going to be talking about and discussing is actually the Golem Edition because it's the far superior edition. If you want to catch up and talk about Century Spice Road or century golem edition check out two episodes ago episode 39 we actually reviewed the first one this is the second entry in the game so chris we resume our crystal trading in this world of century remember if you recall those are human soul crystals they are used to make the golems yes so now now we're going to be going around and trading throughout a new region Yes. So we're going to be exploring the Carvania mountain ranges. In our caravan. And, yes. Yeah. And by caravan, it's a covered wagon. Yes. 
So in this game, uh, it kind of is the same feel of the Century Spice Road, or uh, again, Golem Edition, where we have the same crystals. You still have the same crystals. We're still trading them out. We're still trying to get certain values and getting victory points, and the player who gets it wins the game. So in the first game, we were using cards to do that, if you recall. Again, go check out the review if you haven't heard or played the game, uh, but you're using cards. So this one takes the same idea and the same feeling, but it's kind of a pickup and delivery game uh, with point-to-point movement. So you're moving your wagon, you're you're trading stuff, you're picking up the crystals, you're then taking them to different parts of the board, then you're dropping them off, i.e. you're spending them to get victory points. And that's, that's the game here. So definitely a different feeling or flavor of this game. So Chris, let's talk through the game and how we played this. So I, I know we you've played it a couple times. We played this at Gen Con this last year when yes. I picked this up. All the times we played it, we've actually played with the mat. So I got a nice neoprene mat for this, which is highly suggested. Gotta, thing is, gotta have. The thing is amazing. Uh, regardless, we'll, we'll set the mat because that's bling bling. When we picked out the game, we unwrapped it. We started learning the game. What stood out to you, especially since you've played the first version of the game or the first entry of the game to this game? What, what was your impressions of the game as we started getting it set up and opened it? Same concept as the first is the quality of components. You've got the same crystals and the same trays that come in. We uh, open up the box and the box has the real nice storage components uh, and, and spots in it that you set everything. So as you were pulling it out, um, we were pulling out the, the, the mat. I love the neoprene mats and those are always in in my opinion spend the extra couple bucks and, and get those with you with your games um but it's the the trays with it the the dice the the arts on the the cards art on the little player tableaus the little wooden um uh meeple houses and caravan your uh, covered wagon that you get with your uh each player to all the, all those are just the the art and graphic style and the colors and everything and the components that really stood out to me as, as being high quality as, as we, we talked about with the first game. So as we're setting up, it's very visually, uh, visually and tactically, uh, uh, appealing and nice. And I like those games that they, that the look and the feel is awesome. And then when you start playing the gameplay, it just helps evolve and bring out the the gameplay of this. And and Century uh, doesn't uh, this version of Century doesn't miss on that. So I was I really enjoyed the all all of that look and the feel as we initially set up this game. It definitely felt familiar. Yeah. Too. So if you hadn't played the first game, I would think that this game, you open it up, you're like, it would be like, wow, but it would be a lot of, oh, I'm not sure what this is. But since we played the first game, it felt very familiar, but at the same time felt new. I don't know if that that made sense. I know you said there, you did say dice and there's no Did dice I say dice? Game. Oh. Yeah, you said dice. Sarah. I know you didn't mean that, but you're right. We pulled it out, had the exact same white plastic bin containers that had the same colored crystals that were the same quality and you're like all right this feels new but there's all these tiles there's no cards there's all these tiles and there's these upgrade components these purple things and and there's a lot of houses like what these houses and there's a bigger player mat and so it just felt different kind of similar it kind of felt it felt like what we've played before but yet new and refreshing and kind of exciting because i really like the first game and so finally got this and this is I hadn't played Eastern Mountains. I hadn't or Eastern Wonders. I hadn't played the Spice version yet. And so no, that's a lie, actually. Sorry. I have 
played I did play Eastern Wonders before I played this. And Eastern Wonders, it, the map is really is made up of all these hexes and there it's all water and the idea is you have these boats that you're trading across the sea and there's ports that you're dropping off your crystals to get your victory points and and so I had played that and so I pulled that out this out kind of expecting something new or about the same and there's no boats it's a wagon and there's land and so Again, it felt similar but different from the other one, but yet plays the same, basically, but looks a lot different. So I played both versions, but I, I agree. Just the the number one thing is just that artwork and components. Just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Gr- great, great value for, for the game. I mean, you're going to pick this game up for 30 bucks, right? 30 to 35 bucks. And just the it's worth it in just the components, I think. Okay, so as we started to learn it, because you you played again the yep. first the first game before this. So as I started l- teaching you the game, because I had uh, played the other one already, uh, how how'd you feel when you were learning this game? Was it easy? How would you compare it to maybe the first game? Easy to learn or hard to learn or kind of difficult concepts? What do you think about this? Oh, I thought it was easy to learn. Um, as I have played the first version, this adds a couple different elements to, to it. Very similar concept, but adds a couple new features, has a couple different new components to it. So I was able to pick that up. Um, I thought it was an easy play learn, uh, as going around there, it's very full of different strategies of how to go in and get and collect things all depending on where the layout and, and the, the, how the, the mat is, uh, started and just uh configured but uh I, I thought it was easy to pick up uh very basic concepts of what your actions you can do the move the trade the the build that kind of stuff um it's it's very similar to the first one so if you've played this uh, a century before uh, this is going to play very similar to it with a couple new extra features that are easily picked up but i enjoyed it yeah i i think it was easy to learn it, it was different i mean it the concept of having to trade crystals that was obviously not new right. that was easy that that well, was just new so really all we had to learn is oh we we set up the board a little different it does take longer to set up that was the yes. one of my first things it, it's because you have all these hexes and it's a modular board you have to shuffle up each one of the colors and randomly take one out from the green the purple the blue and the yellow tiles and then you have to mix those up and then you have to lay it out and then you have the the port or the victory point. They're really called village icons, tokens. And you mix those up. And those are, hey, you get 14 points for turning in, let's say, three pinks and two blues or whatever it is. You have to mix those up. You have to throw the X icon in there, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And, and so setup was a little fiddly. Also on top of the, with the setup in the first game, and this is one of the things that kind of struck me too, is in the first game, Whoever first player got, I think, like two yellow tokens. The second player got three tokens and fourth player got four yellow. And by tokens, I mean yellow crystals. And so you had a set amount just depending on what player order you had. In this game, it actually had predefined crystal sets. Yeah. So there was four categories. There was four yellows. There was like yellows and green, a yellow, green and blue. I don't remember all of them. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter. But it went in reverse order. So last player got to choose one of the crystal four options over the crystal options and then they got to place their wagon out on any place on the board and by board i mean one of the tiles that makes up the board and that's how you you start in the game so that was much different and so i think the setup in this game takes probably triple or maybe quadruple as long maybe five ten minutes setup from 
from the base entry game. And so that that was immediate to me. That was maybe one of my only minor complaints with this. But once you got learning, it made sense. Hey, I'm moving my wagon. When I'm on my turn, I can move and then do an action. The actions are I can mine, which gives you uh, which gives you a couple yellow crystals. You could trade and build an outpost on the on the hex. Or you, when you're in a port, you could trade your crystals. Those are your actions. That's your turn. You just get one action. You get movement. And then it's just go, 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 go really quick. You don't have to worry about picking up cards. You don't have to worry about looking at your cards. You're just looking at the board and everything's available for everybody. And that was basically a game. Uh, the trading and all that stuff was pretty self-explanatory because we're used to it. I think it would be pretty easy for people to learn too, I think, if you were teaching it to somebody new and they hadn't played the first century game. I, w- I would think, right? I mean, Oh, I think so too. I mean, I picked yeah, it I- up when we, we, you bought it at Gen Con this summer. And you, Corey, and I played it, and I, I picked up uh, picked it up really quick. Never never playing any of the spice uh, Century Spice games. I, I think the common denominator between these two games, easy to learn. Yeah. On your turn, you're like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? It's more, uh, what should I do? Right. <laughs> That's the whole game. The whole game, you're, I, I, it gets intense. Like, the whole game, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at everybody move, I'm like, am I going to be able to get to that port first? Or, sorry, village first to get that? Uh, how can I do this? What can I do? What's this going to be the fish in this? This is all going through my head at the same time. And I almost like this a little better because all the information's out in front of you. And in theory, you could just keep reusing the same spot you're on multiple times as opposed to the first game, you have all the cards. Uh, So definitely as we're playing the game, big differences in some of the strategy, even though it's the same concept of trading, definitely a different strategy. You have to worry about where you are on the board, how far you can get on your turn, making the most efficient on your turns. I really liked that. That that's just different, but same game. It's like the same game, but different. It's it's weird to explain. That it does, and it's interesting. In this game, you really have to worry about where other people are yeah. and what they posted, because even if they if they got to uh, one of those spots first and built their built their outpost or trading, I don't even know what it's called uh, officially. And I again mix the two. As you build your building there, it costs extra if somebody else has got there. So you have to take that into consideration. If you end your space on somebody else's spot, you have to pay them a crystal. There's a lot more spatial awareness in this game. Definitely adds a whole nother level that I think was surprising to me when I first played this game that I enjoyed. I think I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Another thing with this game is even if Chris beats me to getting the right amount of crystals for that 17 pointer, right? Yep. We're both going for that 17 pointer. We know it's three pinks and two blues or whatever. And I can see Chris is going for it and I'm going for it too. But just because he gets those crystals on his turn doesn't necessarily guarantee he's going to get it because you have to worry about where you are on the map. You could be halfway across the island on the opposite side and I'm next to it. Well, guess what? That's going to take you potentially multiple turns to get there or if you want to extend your move, you're going to have to pay a bunch of extra crystals along the way to get over to that village and try to beat me. So I like that too. Is It's not one of those things where in the first game you have to watch, you're like, well, Corey's going after. He already has the crystals on his turn. There's no way I can do it. This absolutely adds a whole nother layer to it where you still have a chance to get it. Uh, the other thing I re- really didn't mention on here, as you're building those outposts on your personal mat or your personal board, you have all your villages on there. How many are there? There's like five times the four. There's like 20 of your buildings. 
And as you build them, you take them from the row of that color. So if you build on a hex of a pink, you take your building from your pink row. And what that does is on your mat, it uncovers victory points. And then when you're able to complete a whole column, i.e. you've built a, a, a house from one column, then you get one of the upgrades. And this is where it adds some interesting strategy to the game that even through, I think in the last week I've played this game almost four times, I think three or four times, I still don't know what the right strategy is oh, for yeah. building those buildings. Like when we played today, you built a lot of your buildings. You uncovered multiple rows. You got multiple upgrades. Well, I maybe built eight buildings, I think. It was, and Corey and Josh and I have also experienced the same thing where multiple people went after a lot of buildings while some just went on a couple. That just adds a whole nother layer of strategy because those upgrades can give you victory points. They can allow you to get more crystals when you mine. They give you more movement across the board. Those are monumental and can come really in clutch. So as I played the game, it was interesting to balance not only watching what you guys were doing and how I should maneuver through the map, but I also had to keep monitor on my upgrades. And as I'm moving across the map, maybe it's in my interest to take a pit stop by on this blue hex to build a blue building so I get a victory point and an upgrade. I might not ever use that, that trading post, but maybe it's worth it. I just, that was super interesting as I played in the game. It just added a lot more decisions that the first game didn't. And I think at first, as I was playing the game, I was really questioning and trying to figure out what the best way of doing that, handling that. And I still don't sure I have a handle on it yet. I'm there with you. (laughs) But definitely interesting. Definitely very interesting. So as we wrapped up this game, uh, or the games we've played, what were your feelings as the game's wrapping up, scoring, balancing, rules? Uh, Overall, what are your thoughts as you finish the game uh, for your play? Oh, I I liked it. I had the the basis and understanding of what to do, the conversions, the trading, the scoring, this kind of aspect of that. And so... I, I enjoyed it. I, I like very liked the first one very much. And so being able to go uh, to play this one and have a different gameplay feel with it because how it sets up, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked uh, the, the, the aspect of moving around the board, a physical map uh, that you're caravanning, you're you're building your little outposts around, um, that you're trying to mine and and go move around a mountain range area. Uh, to me, that was more uh, immersive than maybe picking up cards and, oh, and, yeah. and doing that aspect. So it's actually a little more thematic. Yes, and I just yes, and that aspect with two with the the mat and is is. It is. It fits the theme more uh, better. So I really enjoyed Absolutely. that. It it the theme was uh, and the gameplay uh, went hand to hand. So brings out like you said the whole immersion of the crystals and the the tokens and the map and the board and everything. I I enjoyed it. I really liked it a lot. I don't know about you. Did you notice though at the end of the game? So if we're con- contrasting this game with the first game, because it's hard not to make these oh, these yeah. comparisons. The end game of this game is a lot different than the first game. The first game, it feels like there's a mad rush of everybody building their engine, i.e. getting all these cards. And then the whole rest of the game is, I'm going to play this card, I'm going to play this card, I'm going to play this card, and just trying to beat each other to the point card. Right. And this game, apart half, even throughout even the rest of the game, you're still going around and building outposts where it makes sense, either to try to get an efficient trade for something you need, I need two greens. What's the best way to get those two greens right now? Or even 
hey, if I build this green outpost, I'm going to get two victory points plus an upgrade. That six victory point upgrade sitting there, I'm, I'm going to take that. That makes a lot of sense. So the end game was still felt like you were, you're, you were moving around the board. You're still expanding. You're still building your outpost. But we are still all using our engine that we've now set up to get those points. And it wasn't one of those situations where if even if you got a good combo, it wasn't going to be a runaway where, oh, I have I got my fourth my fourth point or village card opposed to the first game. It felt like a race to get that fifth card to trigger the game. And and by that time, you kind of knew who is going to win. But in this game, every game I played, it's going to be close. You're not 100 percent sure who's going to win the game. And I really like that, that fourth, getting a fourth instead of going into five or six cards really made the game a little shorter, but at the same time, it, it, it almost made it stressful. And every game I play at the very end, I'm just like, ah, what am I going to do? And I really like that feeling, just that tension. And it just really adds to the feeling of the game. And I just don't know if you picked up on that where the end game just felt a little better than the first game. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with that. Um, one of the things that uh, I was thinking of that kind of was was harder harder to take in in the aspect of uh, this versus the version the first version is when I was moving around, I was trying to plan out the right routes to go. I need to go to this mountain range to do this type of trading and to get uh, mine and get these, then go back this way. And that, that was, that was kind of hard actually. Um, really mm-hmm. having that, uh, a lot to take in on that trading and the conversions aspect to converting every the crystals to optimize to get what you need that that can be very overwhelming in this aspect when you just have the cards and you're looking at a couple cards and you build some into your hand you're you're like okay i'll play in this play in this play in this but when you see them on a map and they're all over the place and you're like, wow, it, it, it's, it could, it took me a little bit today to just try to figure out a combination route of that. I felt, okay, I'm doing it optimally or semi-optimally, uh, to, to get there and to do what I'm at versus you could be looked at this and I could see how somebody can be really just overwhelmed. of like, what do I do? There's so many choices and so many strategic decisions. So that, that was one thing I could see how that could be a, a a letdown or a problem for some people in that aspect. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. So let's go ahead and let's just, we've talked about the game. I think everybody's got a good feeling on it. We've talked through kind of how we felt playing the game. So let's just hit on our strengths and weaknesses. So, uh, my strengths quick and easy here, easy rules, just like the first game, just as simple, easy, easy to learn. Couple options, fast, teach, easy to teach thematic. This is actually thematic compared to the first game. You're moving around with your wagon. You actually feel like you're trading. You're going to these villages to trade them your soul crystals. (laughs) crystals. Uh, It's thematic. I like it. It's not just playing these abstract cards. Okay, well, these cards represent trading, whatever. You're actually moving around the board and going to different villages. That's cool. I like that. Components, out of the world. Great components. Absolutely. Crystals crystals are great. Artwork's great on the Golem edition. The Spice Road one's good, too. I just think the Golem's more interesting. And and even the wood pieces are good. They're little houses, and then you have the little wooden wagon. That's great. Great, great components. Good options. I think this has a lot more options when you're playing the game. You can take the option of maybe doing a bunch of upgrades and getting a lot of victory points, or you could go after a fish engine and not build many trade posts. 
options up to you. I've seen people win both ways. I just like the strategic options this game adds a lot more than the first game. The first game is very one note. Reminds me a lot of Splendor. This is more, hey, we're going to expand and give you a lot more options. So a lot more strategy to the game. And then little randomness. This is, I love that there's not as much randomness. In the first game, sometimes just came out whose turn it was when a card came out. I'm going to buy a card on my turn. Oh, it's Corey's turn next. And oh, here's one of the best cards that that comes out. This game doesn't do that. All the trades are open to everybody. You might have to pay a little bit to the build your outpost to utilize that trade, but that's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay one extra yellow crystal to utilize it. And even the great thing is if you don't notice a great engine, i.e., hey, I'm going to trade this to trade this to trade this, and they're all close together. If you didn't notice at the beginning, beginning of the game, it's not a big deal. You just go over there and do the same thing and as the other players, and that's great. It's available to everybody. So I really like that. It just definitely reduces the randomness and puts everybody pretty much on the same playing field. The only randomness is those next village icons that come out after somebody trades in their crystals. That's the only randomness. And even then, it's usually not that big of a deal. So anyway, those are my strengths for the game. What are your strengths for this game, Chris? I, I agreed with you on several of those. The the the, uh, the theme of it, uh, like you said, moving around the the board that that's uh, goes well goes hand in hand with uh, the theme and the components, um, the game pieces, and and the the play. Um, the components are top notch. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, strategic options to do. Um, yep. The the and this kind of goes on to uh, maybe a, a potential dislike um, for me in here in a bit, but uh, those this I agree with you. The rules easy if you played the Century Spice the first edition, you'll pick up on this really easy. I mean, again, yep. it's the same uh, same uh, rule sheet front and back uh, yep. board. It's it's really easy to pick up and do. So those are some big big strengths in my part. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, weaknesses. Weaknesses for me is still the same thing. Multiple versions. That's confusing. Uh, let's be honest. It's confusing. Uh, if if you're listening to this and you go to go search it, try to figure out what version we're talking about, it's a little confusing, especially for newer people. Uh, rule mistakes. <laughs> In this game, on the rules, which is again, is just another one page, just like the first one, one of the options you can do is mine. Mine allows you to get two yellow crystals. <laughs> on the rule book, it says you can harvest, and then on another point, it says you can mine. It's the same thing. Harvest is the action you take in Century Eastern Wonders, the spice version. It's called harvesting instead of mining. But somebody forgot to change the wording on it, which is kind of funny. A weakness, maybe. It could be kind of confusing if it's the first time you don't know if you haven't played the other one. And it's definitely less approachable. It's definitely not as uh, gateway game friendly, Correct. if you will. I think it still could be a game that you could introduce to newer people. It's just going to take a little more work to explain and play the game. But I think it still is a very approachable game. It's just less approachable than your first game and other gateway games those are my weakness right and and mine um, i hit on earlier it's the the whole conversion and trading where you have the, the cards that uh the the mine areas around that could be uh overwhelming i mean i it took me a bit to figure out okay what the heck 
what do I need to do? There's so many options. Uh, it's that, busy. Yeah, it's it, it gets busy. And I mean, that's it's great with the options. You got to love them. But it, on the negative side aspect too, it's like, oh my gosh. And I had to literally just sit and t- to kind of do a path. And I don't know if this is the best, but I, I, I went and did it. And and that kind of bit. It's And I think you this would minimize with more plays and you start familiarization uh, yourself with uh, yep. the the conversions and what they mean and what you, the how you need to uh, get these crystals to get these crystals to convert here to go buy this that kind of stuff the more you play it the easier it gets i agree but just in the beginning for new players and maybe who haven't played it maybe two or three times and a half less than half a dozen times um that's still kind of a a, a hard thing to pick up or a challenging thing uh to pick up yet to be optimal in your routes yep. and and converting and trading so that's yep it's a that's kind of a weakness to me in the beginning. It takes some place to get. I, I agree. Yeah, completely agree. All right. So conclusion, I think this is an excellent game. It's a game I always want to play. I like it better than the first game, honestly. I In the last three weeks, I think I played Century four or five times. I played Eastern four times, I believe. And I definitely like this game better. It's just more enjoyable. It's as quick of a game, but it offers more strategy and there's way more options. I just like it. That's that's my conclusion. It's just an excellent game for me and it's a game I'm always going to want to play. Right. I agree with you 100%. Excellent game. Um, to me, this is a game. I'm probably getting, like I said, Jamie and I have started off with a Century uh, Golem Edition and playing that to get the mechanism down and the the theme and the kind of how the the basic game plays and the concept, the concept of it yeah. exactly and then once we've grasped that a few times I'm gonna pull this one out and say hey let's play this because this is a better game but I think I think it's easier to get introduced to this series by playing the first game Absolutely. and get the concepts and then move on because it's it's I know this isn't a game uh, style that Jamie has played before so I think jumping straight to this one with the new player is going to be challenging but if you sure. have the first one play that get the field down because that's a good game and this is a really excellent game too as well and no the yep. the cool yep. thing is yeah is even though you feel like maybe this is a the same kind of feel as the first one and then you like this one better you get to combine the first and second yes. game for a whole different game well not a whole different but a hybrid yeah. game and so it doesn't necessarily feel like you're throwing away the first game you're utilizing them both and I was talk kind of I was talking to you today about the rules of the combined. It's definitely different, uh, definitely different in how you do some of the gameplay and mechanics, and gives you even more levels of strategy that you're gonna have to, uh, I, I think, figure out. It should be interesting. Yeah. Definitely planning on playing this next week. I think Monday. So Chris, if you want to join Josh and Corey and I, if you're free, I think we're gonna try. To- pull this one out monday and play the combined so and to me that's a strength uh, the the game design um of this how you can because yeah i bought the first game we play it and we come to this one if 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 it was one or the other i'd be taking this one over the first game yeah but, it would kind of yeah. it would kind of suck to get this and be like well this is kind of the same game yep. but a little more strategic and maybe more complex well what am i going to do with the first right. game? get rid of it but now you can keep it and play it in a different whole total unique way which i think is very cool yeah very very much so yep. so 
All right. Well, that was Century. Uh, here, let me get the actual title here. Century Golem Edition Eastern Mountains. Uh, and again, if you have this, if you have the Spice version, it is Century Eastern Wonders. Play exactly the same. The only difference is the components and the artwork. Fabulous game. We love it. Two weeks. We're going to be playing and reviewing the third game which is a new world. Uh, the Golem Edition has not come out with that, Chris. So we're going to have to play the Spice version. That's fine. That's fine. We'll just have to get used to the colors because you get so used to those four colors, the, yeah. the yellow, yeah. green, blue, pink. And after we played this, you just intuitively know, oh, it's always yellow, green, blue, and pink in that order. You don't actually need to think about it. The other game is yellow, green, brown, red, if I recall. And I don't even know if that's the right order. Which, I don't know. It's just weird. We'll have to get used to it. But we'll be playing that and, and, and trying that. It's more of a worker placement version of this game. So really looking forward to playing that with you. Me too. All right. That was our review of Gal- Century Gulm Edition Eastern Mountains. Check it out. A lot of fun. Check out our Instagram. We'll have the pictures of our gameplay. And you can see the nice neoprene mat, which I highly suggest. Although the neoprene mat's about the same price of the game, but I think it's worth it. <sighs> yeah. As a side note, the Neoprene mat has the ability for the setup of the first and second game, which is really cool. So you don't have to buy a separate mat for that. But Well, let's go ahead and move on and talk about our love and hate for the week. All right, this week's love and hate. Chris, what was your love this week? My love is a seasonal love. It's getting to be Valentine's Day. When this comes out, it'll be just after Valentine's Day. And one of my loves is... Getting some Brock's Jube Gel Cherry Hearts every year. Seasonal candy that comes out. Brock's is a uh, candy company out of Illinois. Makes uh, like the they're the number one selling uh, candy corn company as well as a bunch of uh, those conversation hearts and stuff like that. But they have these bags of these cherry uh, like jube uh, jube gels and they're uh, they're oh they're heart shaped oh my gosh they're good I buy a bag uh, one bag every year so uh, gross oh, no. I, I had to Google this to see what he was talking yeah. about all I could think of is like getting stuck in your yes, teeth yes like dots sh- and uh, uh, yes uh, jelly bellies and stuff like that they're not hard on the outside they're just all soft and. Uh, uh, a nice firm, kind of like dots. If you ever have the those um, Tootsie Roll dots, those yeah. So the thing Love about those. dots is, is my whole experience for most of my life was getting dots in Halloween, yep. which those things were not sealed off, so they would always get <laughs> super hard. hard. Yeah. And so whole, half of my life, I just thought <laughs> dots are hard and they stick. Well, it turns out they're just stale. <sighs> if you actually get fresh dots, oh, they're, they're actually, awesome. I, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll legit say they're actually not bad at all. And I've, I've known, uh, uh I've known to get stuff, but this maybe is the same thing here. Cause the minute I look this up, all I can think of is hard, like getting <laughs> stuck in your teeth. Oh, they get stuck in your teeth by all means, but oh, they're so good. Nice cherry flavor, but yeah, very seasonal comes out uh, this time of the year. And for just a, f- uh, just a few weeks they're in the store. So I'm going to be picking me up a bag tomorrow and making sure I get Jamie one to give for her on, on uh, Valentine's day. So if, uh, by, by the way, the phobia for that is dentro dentrobia. Oh yeah. Is the fear of getting stuck, stuff stuck, stuck, in, stuck your in your teeth. teeth. Oh, funny. Fun, fun fact. Yeah. Uh, apparently I have that. Cause that's, it just gives me the heebies thinking about it. <laughs> Goes right well with these candies. <laughs> uh, but 
I'm a big candy guy anyway. Yeah. I, I love sweets. So yeah, maybe I'll try those. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll pick them up on your on your. I, personally, for Valentine's candies, I really love those those uh the, their hearts and they're like they're not this. They look like the sweet tart hearts, you know, where oh, they're yes. like candy yep. on the side. But they're not sweet tart ones. They're they're sweet, and I have a hard time ever finding them every year. But those by far are my favorite. Uh, I don't even know what brand they are. I always have to look for them, and and they're hard to find. But when you can find them, they're kind of like that candy outside, and you can I don't know. They're really tasty. Nice. But they're not the sweet tart ones. They look like the sweet tart ones, but they're not like tart. They're just sweet. Anyway, I love those, but I could rarely find them. So what are you gonna do? Uh, anyway, so uh, my love this week is learning new things. Uh, this is just a reference to work. There's been a lot of new stuff coming my way, opportunities to learn new programming languages, new s- software. It's been a really exciting, a lot of fun, and it's just something I like doing. I like uh, like uh, learning and being be able to have opportunities, new thing, new things, and you know, working in IT. That's always a constant thing. So that it is. Uh, kind of a lame ha- love, <laughs> sweet, but hey, I'm going through the same thing with you there. <laughs> Scraping the bottom of the barrel. When you only get to play three different types of games in one week, it's hard to it's hard to come up with a love that's not something we've already talked about. Usually I'm getting like three or four games in a week at least, and so usually I'm talking about a new game, but not this week, so my bad. All right, let's move on to hate then. My hate is Blizzard's Warcraft 3 Reform. No, I'm just joking. Not- say, wow, back-to-back <laughs> weeks. <laughs> uh... Maybe one day if we ever do like a Patreon, I'll release that full clip. I cut that down pretty dramatically. There may not be a family-friendly version of that where I actually had to cut some stuff out there. I think I left in the apologizing the family and friends. I think the reason being is I I end up I decided to cut stuff out. But uh, I'm just kidding. That's not my my hate this week. Although a follow up to that hate. If anybody did listen to the rant, Blizzard did finally take down some stuff off their buy page, uh, like the video of, of, of the game that actually didn't make the game. They took it off their website, uh, but they still haven't fixed anything. Y- you still have a worse experience from anyway. It's neither. Screw you, Blizzard. Okay, so my hate this week is Gen Con L- Hotel Lottery. Yeah. Uh, this will be the fifth year. Is this the fifth year? Fifth or fourth s- year? No. I think it's my oh, fourth year. Oh, your fourth. Yeah, you're right. Yep, yep, yep. Fourth year, and every year, if for those who don't know, you buy your badge ahead of time. It opens up, uh, what did it open up in January? Yes. And then you had to be signed up before this last weekend. And if you did, you got a lottery time for the hotel sign up. Well, the hotel has a block and there's only so many hotel rooms. And I can tell you there's not enough. It opens up at noon on Sunday or last Sunday or two Sundays ago, I guess, when this comes out. And it opens up at noon and it always sells up by two. Like within two hours, all the downtown hotels that are within walking or even just like a mile away are completely sold out within two hours. All four years, my times have been after five. Although this year I got 520, which is my earliest time I've ever gotten. And then Emily got like, I think she got like 748 or something stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. It's Gen Con lottery hell. I guess we'll just have to wait until... I think last year I obsessively every hour checked the housing portal from May to July because those are when the cancellations and we were able to get lucky and grab two downtown 
hotel locations, which was pretty sweet for last year. Uh, I think two years ago, you, you got a lottery position yep. within the first hour, which was pretty awesome. Yep, and but, got it. Uh, so I guess that's what I'm going to be doing is obsessively checking the housing portal every 10 minutes from May to July. <laughs> Uh, they get a downtown uh, slot because, I don't know, driving in sucks. It's the worst. That it is. And I'm taking four boys this year. And my, my time was 6 p.m. So the closest thing to Gen Con was 12 plus miles away. And I was like, yep. nope. Yeah. So gonna, I think that's the latest time you've ever gotten. It was. Right? Yeah, I was always within an hour or two. Yeah. You yep. always got lucky. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I buy four and five badges, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're not separate, so you don't get separate no. lottery times. No. I actually bought Emily's separate, even though I had to pay an extra $10 for the delivery charge to try to get two lottery times, and it didn't work. I wasted 10 bucks. All right, so that's my hate. Gen Con, hotel, lottery, hell. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm there with you. What was your hate? My hate this week is pure luck-based games. We're talking like Candyland and LCR and War and Bunko, Bingo, those games like that. That is Dice Throne. Oh, my gosh. Dice Throne. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a completely dice game. That is not pure-based luck. There's some strategic decisions. I'm pretty sure that's pure luck-based. Oh, you roll a dice, and there's mitigations for that, and there's some abilities, and you, you choose what's your die roll but i mean <laughs> we're at Candyland. you pull a card and you move to that and so Actually, whatever card now it's you not have cards oh, it's, it's nice. a spinner dial oh, yeah geez so uh-huh. same kind of concept but those and so when you're then your six-year-old can just stop it on a five every time magically yep <laughs> magically put the wave the hand over it exactly so the games like that that are just pure based i i'd enjoy this after over these years uh finding really good strategic type games that have multiple decisions or or really quality decisions you can make and and uh mitigate this luck type stuff uh, i've come to really enjoy those and then when i get into a game like bingo or bunko type stuff where it's just pull a ball out of the hat and oh you're win that kind of stuff that uh it's i don't enjoy playing those type of games nowadays so and they even have family version games that are are very strategic and good oh yes so there's not really an excuse anymore right i think maybe when we well by we i mean me growing up <laughs> you're a little older uh but even when i was growing up there the family games were not necessarily the hobby games no. there really wasn't any hobby family games if you're a hobby game you were playing their hardcore type games you're playing there just wasn't those many family hobby no. games now there are yes. they're all over the place there's really no excuse to be playing those of uh, those games to be completely honest when you have a company like haba there's no reason you should be playing candy land or any of those maybe i'm being elitist here but no you're being true speaking from the heart but if you're listening and you, you haven't heard of this Rhino Hero for Haba games. Go Google Rhino Hero and then Google you you've played any of the games like Candyland. You can't yep. tell me Rhino Hero doesn't sound like fun for adult or kids. Oh my gosh. It is. Very much. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Pure like luck games like Dice Throne and yeah, I totally agree. I'm with you there. So uh <laughs> all right. Well, that's our love and hates this week. Let's go ahead and move on to the outro. That wraps up episode 41. All right. In two weeks, Chris, will be episode 43. We'll be talking about Century and New World, which is the third installment of the Spice Game. I'll try to get that in a couple times over the next two weeks, and we'll get to play it. 
And then we're going to be talking about that, and and that'll conclude the Century Trilogy. Really looking forward to playing that. It, it's so much fun. And then maybe get some three, two, and one games in, maybe? All three That'll of them together be would be pretty sweet. Yeah. So definitely, as usual, check us out on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Games We Play Pod. And then definitely, if you if you have any feedback, suggestions, questions, send it to our Gmail, gamesweplaypod at gmail.com. We appreciate it. Send us. We answer everything. If you want us to talk about it on air, we'll definitely do that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We we really like doing that. Tell us, hey, if you're going to Gen Con, let us know. We definitely want to yeah, meet up. So just something to definitely. keep in mind. Uh, we'd love to play some games. We could meet up at the library. We could meet up at one of the hotels, the open gaming. There's so many yeah. opportunities to play games. Uh, would love to hear from you and 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 meet up a time to uh to play games. It'd be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, so keep that in mind if that's something you're interested in. I, I think that's about it. I'm sure we'll talk about Gen Con more in the in the summer coming as we start to find out about the games that are going to be there. That is that. We appreciate you listening and hanging on this far from the games we play. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm, I'm Chris. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Games We Play Pod and at gamesweplaypod at gmail.com.